Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context. My name's Sarah Watt. I'm William Chan. And I'm Jeremy Downing. And each month on Cinema in Context, we like to look at two films with a connection between. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. Now this month on Cinema in Context, we're discussing two female-led films, Midsummer, which came out in 2019, starring the wonderful Florence Pugh, and a film whose title we all forget constantly, <laughs> but if I remember correctly, it's Don't Worry Darling, a film directed by Olivia Wilde, also starring the wonderful Florence Pugh. Now, before we embark on this discussion, we must say we do spoiler these films as we discuss them in great depth. And so if you have not seen Come to Daddy Darling, <laughs> Don't Worry Darling or Midsummer, and you feel that spoilering would lessen the impact for you in due course, then please pause this and return to us when you've seen them. Otherwise, sit back, strap in, because <laughs> I know for sure without having discussed it, there is going to be some contentious discussion ahead. Some might say heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Oh! <laughs> well, let's, should we clarify the connection, right? So yeah. you've said two, starring, two, two films There's starring Florence There's more to it Pugh, than that, yes. Kind of speak. Florence Pugh... Um, and I don't know, clueless Florence Pugh films? Would that <laughs> clueless be Pugh? Gaslit. I would say gaslit Ooh. duped Florence Pugh films. Nice. Because clueless almost implies that she's just a dafty. Whereas I guess so, but spoilers, right? Would, well, would, we're going to spoiler, aren't we? I know, but if we were to call it that, the title of our, our episode, I'm thinking, mm. would gaslighting be a spoiler for Don't Worry Darling? people have seen the trailer <laughs> don't know don't know for sure nice well let's see how we go excellent also both films taking place in broad daylight yes which yeah. is a very interesting point that i am sure we will get on to do you want to give us a summary of the some of, some of the films william you, you take your pick <laughs> all right um guys 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 um so i just watched a visually resplendent psychological thriller with a blonde heron played by one of 2020's hottest up-and-comers, ventures into a retro wonderland of eye-catching fashion, decadent lifestyles, and sick needle drops. But not always as it seems, and as reality starts to unravel, our heroine discovers that behind this hedonistic veneer lies the dark reality of deep-rooted misogyny of the era. As she struggles to convince people that she isn't mad and break free from this waking nightmare, She's pursued by spectres of male control and domination. But enough about last night and so on. Oh. Wait, wait, guys, 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 wait, wait, wait. wait. But I also, more? yeah, just watched the movie starring Olivia Wilde, where our heroine yearns to escape from a digital world into the real world yeah. by traveling across a wasteland to reach a magical portal, escaping a megalomaniacal uh, villain who wants to create a world free of perceived imperfection. But enough about Tron Legacy! Whoa. Wait, guys. Oh, wow. guys, guys, triple whammy. I recently saw a pretty crappy episode of Black Mirror where the first act was extended almost to feature length, dragging out the mystery to an almost laughable extent and leading to the most nonsensical payoffs. Also, may have ripped off Serenity, uh, not the Joss Whedon one, uh, the one where Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway are in a video game. But enough about Don't Worry Darling! Oh. Hey. <laughs> Alright, 
There's going to have to be some clarifying going on. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about Midsummer, Jeremy. Well, Midsummer is a film directed and written by Ari Aster, I believe is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a follow-up to his kind of groundbreaking film, Hereditary. This film stars, as we mentioned, Florence Pugh, who has recently lost her family in a, in a horrifically tragic series of events. And I guess it happens at a time where her and her boyfriend are potentially on the cusp of, of breaking up. And mm. so he sort of feels like he owes owes her a little bit more grace during this very hard period. Um, and so decides to invite her to a trip to Sweden with a group of his friends uh, with varying degrees of frustration and kind of happiness amongst the friend groups or apathy. And so Florence Pugh's character joins these boys as they head off to Sweden to spend time in a community that one of their friends is from. Uh, and they, they engage in this community. It is a, it's very different in culture to what they're used to. And as the film goes on, things start to not quite add up. And Florence Pugh is right at the centre of it. And it all happens in broad daylight. Yeah, it does. But interestingly, I haven't seen the director's cut, but I believe that there is some, obviously, extra scenes added back in. And mm. one of them is a nighttime sequence mm. in the two or three hours of night that they have in the location of, of where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm really glad that they didn't have that in the film. And it yeah. actually makes me not want to watch the director's cut because the only time we see nighttime is either at the start when she's in the States or through a, dr- a dream sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the daylight is as was the daylight horror they're calling it. It's this, yeah. It's a it's a new genre, I guess. I don't know how many films. Are... I, and I didn't know that, but definitely I found myself. I caught myself watching uh, while I was watching Midsummer, going, "Wow, I can't believe how um, nerve wracking this is, and yet it's daylight, and how unusual that is." And you know, guys, how whenever we talk about horror films, I always go back to Nightmare on Elm Street, um, which is my all-time favourite, and I consider it to be one of the best horror films ever, which also has a lot of daylight scenes with people napping in the school classroom or um, just being in the daytime, and Freddy Krueger still comes in day, and I think, wow, that's super clever, because, you know, your Friday 13ths and all that traditionally happen at night, Cabin in the Woods happens at night, and we're used to those being uh, horrific times of the the day aren't we so it's really effective if you can scare the bejesus out of people uh are we allowed to say bejesus yeah why not? if you can scare the bejesus out of people during the daytime then flipping it i think what you're doing is super clever that's a nice connection with friday the 13th uh friday the 13th um nightmare on elm street mm. because you're absolutely right those are very scary scenes and it's this idea that you can't get away from your brain you yes. know it's it's quite terrifying yeah but what did you think of the movie because william and i are both have seen it before. Midsummer. Midsummer, yeah. Right. So it was your first time. It right? was, yeah. and I've been hearing about Midsummer since it came out in 2019. Everybody had raved about it, including my husband. Now, my husband is a is a real sweetheart, and he knows that I don't have a huge um, emotional stomach for supernatural horror. Um, it's not that I have issues with gore, but I'm not big on supernatural, and I, you know, I, I can't be doing with religious horror. So he wasn't sure how I would deal with more of the the, the folk horror aspects of it. And I didn't actually find that challenging at all. So I was going to say in a nutshell, there are no nutshells in this 45 minute podcast. Sorry (laughs) about it. Um, So Flippinick, the opening of Midsummer, I thought was absolutely astonishing. And I do feel that the most horrific, frightening, scary, sits with you in a horrible way aspect of the film is not people falling face face first off a, off a cliff, although that is, is handled horrifically, but is actually the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was absolutely sensational, not just 
or not because of the horrificness of her losing her family, but the whole lead up was so expertly written in my humble opinion of having been a girl in relationship with a boy who actually wanted to break up with me. Uh, hard as it will be to believe, guys, that did used to happen to me. <laughs> um, but flipping it, it was so expertly written and that wonderful scene where she's on the phone to the, the boyfriend played by the wonderful Jack Rayner, who's an Irish actor who I saw years ago in a film called uh, What Richard Did. Ah, and he was sensational okay. and I'd highly recommend it. It's a deeply indie, low-budget film. Right. The Brother and, and Sin Exactly. Mm. So Richard was, was a, a main role. Mm. And that's a, a bit of a psychological thriller type film, if I recall correctly. He's terrific. Mm. But anyway, so nicely handled... You know, and they're sort of gaslighting her a little bit even then, aren't they? Oh, you know, your girlfriend's just a bit psycho. You've got to stop jumping every time she rings. And then all of a sudden it transpires. She has horrifically good cause to fear for it. Oh, my God, that whole opening sequence right up into them getting on the airplane and then arriving in, in Sweden where it's actually sunshine and white dresses. And oh, my God, absolutely mm. sensational. Then really enjoyed the whole film. Up until the part where she, and this is all the spoilers guys listening, right up until the part where she is crowned the May Queen. And then I didn't really care anymore. And then mm. to me it descended into, oh, the boy's got to have sex. We've got to see a whole lot of Jack Rayner's bottom pumping in and out and a whole <laughs> lot of nude <laughs> ladies standing around. And it all just suddenly, I, I mean, it was still fine, but it wasn't the five-star film that it mm. had been for maybe that first 80% or... Actually, I did do the math at the time, so I can't remember 75% or whatever. I saw this film at the cinema in 2019, and I just absolutely <clears throat> loved it. And I remember so clearly, you're absolutely right, Sarah, that opening sequence is just devastating. Oh. And the image of the young woman kind of with a, with oh, a pipe on It's exactly face. what I keep thinking of when you're it's talking so about horrific. it. It's so horrific. The eyes open, and then, of course, the camera zooms in on the unread messages. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. So this is all happening in real time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember, for me, the ending... The ending was was the button that just made this film perfect because I was like, where is this movie going? Like, I get the sense of of it's it's using the cult to mm -hmm. explore elements of what she's going through, but that moment of her really realizing that her boyfriend was a dick and she needed to end it, yeah, and for that to be told, that emotional narrative to be told with her <laughs> burning him alive. And then smiling because she was free of this was was phenomenal. Terribly clever. And and also, of course, I mean, look, I'm not giving Ari Aster a hard time for those choices because as a book ending, uh, you know, as bookends, that's incredibly clever. You've mm -hmm. got firemen at the beginning racing into a house that has not burned down, but in which people have asphyxiated. And then at the end, you've got people dying in something that is burning down no firemen around and they are asphyxiating so they're very very clearly you also have a lot of the fairy tale imagery at the beginning there's that image of the girl and the bear at the end as well yeah um or, or the... you know the painting above her bed yeah yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right which i noticed at the time somebody mm -hmm. told me about it after but i was like no 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 i noticed it at the time right. so then when the bear turns up later i got it mm -hmm. yeah that's right also there's the, and again this is the kind of the next part when i rewatched it i loved it i, I think even more than the first time i, I just had a kind of this gleeful smile on my face the whole time but other oh, book ending was um that's not alarming at all jeremy well i, I think i mean if you put aside the cold I and the know. horror yeah it's, yeah, yeah. It's such a deeply human story of yeah. like trying to make sense of this relationship um but but the other book ending that just blew me away was you know her screaming with her boyfriend at the start and he's trying to trying to console her yeah yeah and then 
that incredible act of empathy with all of the women screaming oh, with her at the true. end and Amazing. the difference of that. And I realized she is surrounded by these men who have no empathy for yeah. different reasons. So mm-hmm. the boyfriend is incredibly selfish mm-hmm. and undecisive, I guess. that's. His, I his think he's just son. weak, actually, well, mainly. Yeah, cool. Will, Will Poulter's character. Well, he's obnoxious, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, and he, and he, he dies for it. it. So they'll yeah. die for it for their foils. So he yeah. pees and he pees on the tree and he dies. Mm-hmm. And then the um, the scholar, I forget his Chidi name. Chidi from uh, Good Place. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, yeah, Josh. He's, yeah. he's I disconnected. Love, and I he, love Chidi. He's academic. And when she sits down and sits with us, Pele, is Pele? Yes. She sits down and he leaves the room. Do you notice that? He's got this disconnect, this academic mm. disconnect. Yep. But they're all are different examples of, of a lack of empathy. And, yeah. and only the people in the community show her any sense of empathy, regardless of knowing about this horror that she's enduring. And I just mm. thought, what a wonderful you know, way of exploring need for community, need for connection, mm. and realizing you're in a, a relationship that needs to end. Mm. And the interesting thing is, Pele... I I mean, Pele was posited to me as somebody who was potentially sinister because he invited them to come. And when he said, I think you will become the May Queen or I really want you to come or whatever it was he says, I thought, as we're probably supposed to, uh uh-oh, he has bad designs on her. Maybe they're going to sacrifice her, etc., etc. But in fact, when he sits with her in the, the big sleeping room and says that my parents perished in a fire. And you know now, don't you, which bloody fire they perished in. And obviously, (laughs) several ceremonies prior. Um, And he said, but I was all right because I had this family. And then, of course, he's like, and so therefore, this is now your family. Oh, well, flipping it, that turns ideas on its head, doesn't it? Well, I mean, it's it's the fact that she's having to give up and and effectively kill those relationships to move forward. Yeah. And it's told through the horror. The fact that the horror really is the fact that the only family she now has, which is indeed an incredibly loyal, cathartic, healing family, is the very same one that allows their residents or citizens to plonk off a cliff uh, or who will, will burn people in, uh, you know, paralyze them and then burn them alive. Yeah. Uh, it's extraordinary. them in bloody gold. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So. What, do you, what did you think, William? Because you've uh, seen it before yeah. and then you came back to rewatch it. I, I mean, I, I remember you and I both gushing about it back in 2019. It was on our best of year list, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, uh, watching it again, uh, it's great. It's really, really good. And I think now that I basically know what happens, it really shines even more brightly as a comedy. Um, I'm, sorry, a, I'm sorry, what now? This is well, a hilarious, hilarious Sweden, movie. Sweden, people in Sweden feel that, right? They're like, this is a very great dark comedy. Yeah. Yes, which is yeah. just as well, isn't it? That it's, they didn't like get up in arms about this being a non, an anti-tourism video. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me want to go to Sweden. There's mm. so, many, so many facets of this movie which are like flat out just comedic. The the main queen outfit at the end where she's just in this mountain of flowers. Yeah. Uh, jo- Jack Rayner's face in a bear where he's just like, what the heck is going on? Um, the the meat puppets. I, I mean, yeah, it's grotesque. It's, it's people with twig stuff in their faces. But when they're moved around, it just looks so chintzy and fake. Um, wow, I feel I, differently. <laughs> maybe, Keep going, though. Maybe it was, uh, I mean, I talked about this, I remember, in our interview review, yeah. like, why I love this movie so much more than Hereditary, which I actually quite disliked by the end of it, was because this movie doesn't take itself, it doesn't take itself seriously. I like that. It understands that. that the images, not only are they grotesque, they are so over the top that you can't help but laugh at them. Whereas I feel like 
Hereditary kind of tries to strike the same balance, but never gets there. It tries to be, ooh, spooky cult. And it just comes off as really try-hard and not very scary and not very funny. Whereas I feel this is intentionally going for the comedy over the scares. And maybe it's just the sunlight over darkness. Do you think it's because there's an acknowledgement in human nature that A, humans apart from me mainly, um, tend to, particularly boys, human males, um, enjoy horror films for many different sort of cathartic reasons, but also the fact that quite often when we are frightened or when we are um, dealing with an uncomfortable situation, some of us will laugh. Do you know what I mean? Possibly. And so possibly, I don't know if he's this benevolent, and we'll talk about Ari Aster's um, uh, sort of MO for creating this film in a minute, but... Um, Possibly even he's giving us that opportunity for that release. Do you know what I mean? Right. Whereas Hereditary, which I did not see, but I did read the plot summary and I got <laughs> everything out of that that I needed. Um, yeah, I, interestingly, that was his first film. And Midsummer mm. is his second, so incredibly accomplished. Because as I understand it, Hereditary is an incredibly well-made film. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what a, what a dude, what a filmmaker. But anyway, yeah, just wondering whether maybe he thought all oh, these people are going to need an opportunity which are decompression in my cinema people laughed but it was right. quite enjoyable like it yeah. wasn't it was an uncomfortable laugh and yeah you know it was that sequence the sex sequence um yeah. and and it is funny and I, it's strange I think it's, it's every it, it's all the way from the the the, the point where Walpole is led away to the final climax like it just gets sillier and sillier and that's and sillier, maybe what i right? didn't realize that but i like that from ah. then onwards i that's when i say i didn't really care that's anymore so interesting but i didn't know that i didn't care because it was trivial or funny. I think right. I just thought, oh, this is now just slipping into more, like, tropes. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Because for me, like, all the actors start acting differently as well. Um, Jack, Ray Both Florence Pugh and Jack Raynor, like, in their respective uh, characters, become more into that character, you know, the clueless doofus and the girl who's kind of having this emotional breakthrough yeah. and the performances become bigger and the performances of the, the supporting cast get really big as well. Yeah. Like at the end where the people are being burnt alive and everyone's wailing, like, yeah, it's emotional, but it's also just really silly. Yeah. And there's like a small child, grab and I'm miming this, the audience, grabbing his face in his hands going, ah! and it's like, I, I would have had such a good time on that set. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going must, nuts. I wonder if they had like cult training, you know, mm, like this is the yeah. things that we do because it's some beautiful yeah, ensemble work. Yeah. And I, just yeah. Wanna, I just want to come back to something else you said, Sarah. I absolutely agree that the, the writing of this film at the start in particular oh, is pitch perfect. And I didn't appreciate it until I was re-watching it and I'm like, all of the emotional beats and the turning points are there in the Absolutely. right order. So she's concerned. You know, you see the parents at the start and they're sleeping, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in inverted commas. Um, <clears throat> they're still breathing, which is really interesting. So they're, they're, they're yeah. must about to be about to die. Because they're breathing in the CO2 yeah. or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And then she has that concern and, and you see her concern. And then she talks with her boyfriend and he, he's, he even says then, he's like, I think you're overreacting. Like yeah. the, the, the seeds of what's the problem here are already sown. Yeah before we see the conversation with his friends and yeah. before she she realizes what's going on it's just really well set up and you get all of that you know all of that set up before the title comes up mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and it's one of the strongest openings of a film i've seen in yeah. a long time um and i actually was really i went back and looked at my films of the decade and i'm like why did i put this on my films of the decade because i would i would add that back in mm -hmm. my top 30 films of the 2010s over some of the films I had in the era. Yeah. I guess I saw it once and then moved on and never yeah. went back to it because 
there are some really strong pieces of filmmaking here. And do you know what else? Um, after You know how after the titles, then there's all that palaver with, um, oh, you're going to Sweden? Well, no, I don't mind. I just, I wondered why you didn't tell me. The, the scripting, and also, do you notice how often he just does a long shot and he just lets them yeah. freaking act, which is amazing. So the, the dialogue in that scene is, and I hate to say it, horribly familiar because you're the girl who has a point to make and you're going, well, hang on a second, I feel a bit wronged here. And then suddenly it's twisted back on you, which is a bit like gaslighting of a, of a sense. And you find yourself being the one who's apologizing. Well, no, 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 sorry, I didn't mean to bum you out. You don't have to leave. Forget I even said it, I shouldn't have brought it up. And they uh, do, they, yeah, they you should have brought it up. The mushroom scene. The mushroom scene, yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Right. If, if we don't take it oh. at the same time, we're gonna right. you know, trip right. at different times. That's then, a great yeah. point. Oh, and and Florence so that Pugh's relationship, yes. Yeah. It's so good. Absolutely. It's so good. And, she's, and she goes, I'm not going to take it, you know. Oh, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's yeah. fine. And just the pauses and... Sorry, but I she means it. No, but this is the funny thing, yeah. you know. For Wolf, mm-hmm. My interpretation is she she's fine with them doing yeah. it. But then it becomes, eh, it's a bum out if you don't. You're ruining it for us. And she's the one who has to capitulate. Mm-hmm. And she's the one who has to capitulate in the very beginning. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm overreacting. You make me feel better. Thanks, honey. That's great. Oh, no. And also with that middle sort of, um, you know, sorry for bumming you out that I'm bringing up that you're going on this trip. Actually, I shouldn't have my bad. Forget I even said it, you know? It's wonderful. It's so good as well. Like she is the only one that gets what the community is about. The other ones are all there for different reasons, whether it's their research or, you know, having sex in a random library room. Um, or, or the um, the the English tourists who are there just as tourists. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, true. And so she's she's there, she 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 under, she understands. And that moment of there's just a moment of understanding, that smile at the end is just again one of my favourite moments of, of cinema in the last, you know, five years. It's really, really strong. So let me ask you something, because I have Googled the what's it out of this, and I find only a Reddit post where somebody saw what Sarah saw, but there's no confirmation. Did you notice how, what's Jack Rayner's character's name in this? Christian. Did you notice how Christian's hair gets redder and redder? Oh, I d- I d- oh not wow. consciously, but now that you say it. It totally 100% does. And in my mind, her hair was getting redder as well. But let's put that to one side, because as the film went on, her hair then wasn't changing. His gets redder and redder and redder. Oh. Now, initially when I noticed it, I do not believe he was under sunlight. And I was like, whoa, I can see something's happening here. There's, a, there's symbolism at play. And then later on, it, because it's mainly outdoors, he was under sunlight and I understand how the hair can look red and it's funny because on the Reddit post someone said well I'm Irish and he's Irish and we all have latent red hair you know maybe that's true so either it didn't happen on purpose in which case it's pretty bloody clever or bloody (laughs) because of all of the other imagery of red you know how um Christian's drink is the one that Mm -hmm. obviously has the menstrual blood in it which makes it redder um and red being obviously symbolic, blah, 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 blah. Well, she's also has red hair, doesn't she? <clears throat> exactly, that, yeah, that's exactly right. Him. And mm-hmm. so that's exactly right. So I thought maybe his hair was changing that way because there was meant to be some sort of... I, I think it probably is on purpose because there's all of that visual effect that happens when they're on the hallucinogenics. You know, the flowers are yeah. opening yeah. and closing and 
uh, I believe the grass is moving. Yeah, 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 growing through her hands and stuff. But it carries on all the way through to the end. And his hair is consistently red towards the end. Yeah, right. But I don't know if it is just a trick of the light. But if it is just a trick of the light, it still works. Mm -hmm. And also you just don't know what is real and what isn't real and it doesn't really matter by the end. Like I still don't know whether she ate the fish Uh, or whether he was just seeing that. In fact, I even forgot that there was a scene where she ate a fish anyway. Um, do you remember that? Well, I thought end? she didn't eat it. I thought they gave it to her and she went, and she let it slip on the floor and they were all a little bit tut, 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 because you're supposed to, because it's tradition. I think that was all in Christian's mind, wasn't well, it? Well, there you go. Because he, he was the one clearly having the bigger trip of the two yeah, and, and sort of freaking out. I, I guess to segue to our other film, I feel like Don't Worry Darling was trying to be Midsummer in the sense that Midsummer had a very clear emotional arc for Florence Pugh's character that I, I and I guess this is where we get into the discussion, was the main thing lacking from, well, there's a few things lacking from Don't Worry Darling, but that was the biggest thing lacking for me is that she, beyond figuring out what was going on in her situation, she wasn't coming through anything. That's my criticism. Mm. I can see the stoned stare of Sarah. Oh, no, not at all. No, I'm wondering when to bring up, but I'm, so I've started, so I'll finish. Here's my thinking around come to, what the heck is it called? <laughs> Don't worry, darling. Stepping-wise. Just, well, just to lay my cards on the table, I went in going, oh, hasn't there been a lot of chitter-chatter around Olivia mm-hmm. Wilde? Blah, 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 blah. And I thought, I don't Charlie care. Beef, what's he doing here? Bruh. <laughs> I thought, I don't care. I'm just going to watch it. The trailer looks amazing. I'm going to love this film. Actually, I didn't say I'm going to love this film, but I was totally open to it. And I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. And I didn't really know exactly what was going on. But I was completely gripped because it looked beautiful. Florence is beautiful. Florence is such a good actress. I didn't mind the slightly unsubtle symbolism of smothering and being squashed and all that because you guys don't know what it is to be a 1950s housewife who has to vacuum all day. Um, And I, you know... Um, I, sort of, I don't know what it is to own newspaper anymore as well. Yeah. <laughs> so what would I clean my windows with? What would you? And, um, and I thought, you know, this their relationship seems a little bit too happy and lusty and happy. But, you know, this is a movie. We'll see where it's going. So when it went where it went, mm-hmm. for me, the payoff was enormous. And I thought, far out, this is clever. I never saw this coming. That's amazing. Gentlemen, gentlemen of the jury. No. Um, do you feel... That if a film is risable and then it gets to a, a big reveal, that, that even if the reveal is quite good, that it doesn't forgive the film for being inadequate or risable? I, I think it really depends. Yeah. Um, for me, the, the problem with this film is that what happens after the reveal is so disconnected from the reveal, right? The reveal reveals everything, um, and yet you're left with so many more questions than answers. Doesn't fit, well, I guess it kind of fits thematically, but in, in a way that's very, very trivial and surface level. So that we actually, when we get to the point where she Truman Truman shows a way mm. out of the simulation, uh, yeah, it's a simulation, but mm. she exits the simulation. Um, what happens then? That's the interesting stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Because I, I was thinking, and I, so I came to this movie in the worst possible situation yeah i think you better cough was, up to our listeners i am so sorry <laughs> this is mo- a, a movie crime um <laughs> so um the kind of a peek behind the curtain uh dear dear listeners we were planning to do uh, amsterdam is this month's review um mm-hmm. 
And then it turned out that Amsterdam was actually not very good. Mm. And so I was like, okay, well, we can do Don't Worry Darling as, as an alternate. Uh, but by then, I had already made up my mind that I wasn't going to see this movie <laughs> and read the entire synopsis on Wikipedia. Mm. So going in, I knew what the twist was. I kind of understood where things were going. Mm. But even, I think, with that in mind, when the twist did come, and I, I think it's relatively silly, but that's okay. Lots of movies have silly twists. Mm. Um, everything afterwards was like, well, what about the twist? Right? There's so many repercussions with this twist. And you end at the most interesting part of the story, having spent what felt like, well, it was probably about an hour or over an hour in bloody Act 1, right? You don't even move into Act 2 until just before the twist. And there basically is no Act 3. Oh, it's, it's, I like this. It's a car chase yeah. and then nothing. So right? just to yeah. remind me... And so the pacing, just like, what is happening? So just to remind me, the twist, and obviously, hopefully people who are listening remember that the twist is... The reveal that the funny hallucinations she's been having are actually flutters into the fact that actually she's paralyzed on a bed with her eyes pushed open and some sort of something that's making her part of a simulation. Does she? Do we then go back to her being in the simulation and then she... Oh yes, of course. And then she's yeah. trying to say to Olivia Wilde, I know what's going on, we need to go. Olivia Wilde's character says, I know what's going on and I'm happy to stay. This, yeah, okay. This is the only way I can be with my children. Right. This is like Marion Cotillard in Inception yeah, or something, isn't it? Yeah, except these children are fake. Uh, oh, uh, they were dream children in that as well, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, or were they? Oh. Ah, but that's a whole other... <laughs> anyway, um, right. And then she does her big escape and zooms out of the cul-de-sac and does her Truman Show Which Which doesn't make any sense because it's a simulation. Why do those guys need to physically... Yeah. Run after her. Well, the, the, I think the movie just has a lot of questions. Yes. It brings up, and it, it can be fascinating. And why I brought up the Black Mirror comparison before was because Black Mirror is so good at delving into the little details. Right? Yes. Like, I don't think it's fair to bring up this big old twist and then do nothing with it. Right. Because it, it's not... It's and just, not answer it properly, not do you answer, mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's just... You, you leave the movie feeling really dissatisfied because there, there's so much meat on the table that's almost just ignored by the movie <clears throat> for its central thesis, which is fine as, as theses go, but uh, for me it's not as interesting as everything happening around that. Right. Yeah. I think that the film knew what it was trying to say about her character. What, what, what was the revelation? What was the shift? What was the change? What was the, what was the theme? You know, what is the theme of this film? Yeah, or the thematic statement. You know, like, yeah. I think that film lacks uh, a clarity there. And so that would have, if they knew what they were wanting to do in that space, then it really would have guided the, some of the plot and the, and the act structure you're talking about. And I agree with you, William. Mm. That would have been far more interesting if Act 3 was her, you know, getting out of her house and then all of a sudden the suits are coming or, you know, and there's some kind of something. And maybe she has to go back into the game to save someone else that she's mm, made a connection yeah. with, you know, that... I don't know, or maybe she has to go to their real house, someone who's in the game mm. that she knows is in and, danger. And free them. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. this is, yeah, this is interesting. Golly, goodness, I'm, I think I might need to hang up my hat in terms of uh, actual film analysis and criticism. I haven't been very rigorous about this film at all. I'm not saying that I, I'm going enjoy, to have enjoyed it less because of this discussion, but you're definitely um, pointing out holes that I just wasn't concerned about at all. But I'd read a blog post subsequently. Like I'm like, what's all the fuss about? Why do people? Why are people not appreciating the cleverness of the reveal? And and yeah, there's things like, so what is the red plane? And oh. why doesn't she go back and? <laughs> and gosh, how come? I, I, I have um, 
in caps, I have questions. Oh, nice. Um, yes. Well, Question I, I, one. You already bring this up. So, <laughs> so uh, why couldn't Alice leave the headquarters the first time she touched the windows? No, don't. Move on. Next okay. question. No, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? <laughs> the, the very first we time. We don't even know what she, she saw in there. And, and then she just wakes up again. Uh, okay, anyway. Uh, question two. Uh, what do drugs actually do in the world? Like, you see people getting medicated. Mm. And, wait, what, what is happening? Are they... Is this a metaphor? Like... Uh, wait, do you mean in the simulation? In the simulation. But because... Well, isn't it a bit like in a dream that when something is happening to you in your mind, your body feels okay. that it's happening so, in real? Uh, later on, it's like if you die in the game, you die for real kind of thing. Kind of, maybe. So, okay. in the I mean, obviously in the simulation... They're, they're not their real selves, but obviously they're, they're, they're being drugged, aren't they, in order right. to be in that state. Okay. And maybe the justification for the brain is, therefore, this has to happen to okay. you. Like Do you dream know what logic I mean? kind of thing. That, that's right. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's, that's fair. I mean, this whole movie um, could just be called Dream Logic. Yeah, or Dream <laughs> And then she woke up. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. shut up. <laughs> she woke up and it was all a horrible nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, significance of the biplane. Earthquakes? I, I thought the, the earthquakes you could have done it so easily. They live beside the train tracks. Like, uh, like that, that's all you needed to do. Do you know what I'm wondering yeah. all of a sudden? Hey, I'm coming back to this film. I'm on your side. Don't worry, darling. Yeah. I reckon that the plane and the train tracks, mm -hmm. the, uh, the earthquakes, yeah. are like the train tracks in Inception. That they are your body's way of telling you something isn't right here. Like when you're in your dream and something happens. But, but, it's, but she's not in control of the simulation, right? No, it's going but, bonkers because... No, but she's having flashes, right? Into yeah. something. So her brain is trying to break through. Her real brain. Or, 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 um, I, I don't know, because everyone else feels the earthquakes as well, right? Not just her. It's not like the other hallucinations of the mirror stuff. Uh, Harry Styles feels the feels the earthquakes, doesn't he? Mm. I just think that they they thought, oh, we've got this cool plot twist. We can just do a whole bunch of silly things. Yeah. And then and it's all explained with one little well, device. no, I'm oh. going back to Inception, which I take basically as like a Bible for real life because it's so clever. <laughs> um, and I do wonder whether, because admittedly in Inception, the other people in your... Uh, Hallucination. I can't remember the word that they use, the, but you know, yeah, the shared um, dream space. Right. Yeah. Don't don't necessarily see or hear what's going on in some instances. But it makes sense to me that in our in, now I'm talking as a human being, in our dreams, the people in our dreams experience what we're experiencing. So therefore, it doesn't seem weird to me. But but they are still they're people. real people. Oh, real Harry people. Styles is yeah. lying next to her on the bed, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Olivia yeah. Wilde's a real person, and they're yeah. all real people. Right. Um, and then, sorry, yeah, just to no, finish, right, yep, finish yep. off my list. Uh, speaking of real people, just the logistics of the simulation. Uh, do we expect that? When all the men like, oh my gosh, this, this movie is beautiful, though. It's, it's so yeah. pretty looking. Yeah. Um, that, that shot where all the men come out of the driveways and it's that aerial shot of them driving oh, down. Oh, the choreography. Oh, it's so stunning. So you good. know, when they're all on to, are going off and to I, work. I do have to um, say that Olivia, I think Olivia Wilde did a really solid job of directing this same. film. Like the... Yeah. You know, I think the performances, are, are, they do a really good job. Yeah. And whilst Harry Styles has that final scene that's just laughably average, <laughs> most of his, the rest of his stuff is yeah, he's been I really well directed. He has yeah, a yeah, yeah. Flack. He's, he's fine. fine. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought Olivia Wilde was such She's a really wonderful... Um, yeah. Her performance was wonderful. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think the, my issue is all with the script. And right. it's it's actually beautifully put together. Hmm. But yeah, that, that scene where they all drive out and it's like, okay, what do the husbands do <clears throat> every single day at, at Victory or during the Victory Project? And it, the big reveal is they, they go to work. 
And so do they all start their jobs at the same time? Do they come back? Like, like when they come home, do they have to wash up and clean after their comatose partners to keep them in the simulation? It just The logistics are really, really off. And, yeah. Uh, and also, wouldn't someone figure out that there's dozens of people just missing, especially if she was a doctor in, yeah. in her real life? Anyway, I, I guess the movie isn't interested in that stuff, which is fine, maybe, because... The Truman Show also ends the exact moment, you know, he leaves yes, yes, his yes. simulation. Leaves you with heaps of questions. And, and that, that's fine, you know, the, the questions there are more scintillating and more thought-provoking than they are, you know, niggling. Um, but I, I felt that this, everything just didn't add up, you know. Um, well, let me ask you the biggest question on my mind when watching this film. Because I thought their life looked amazing. And if I was Olivia Wilde, and I'd had children, and then couldn't be with children... Or if I just wanted to drink gin and tonics in the garden, or I wanted to wear those beautiful dresses and ride the tram to the mall. I mean, honestly, and then flipping it, Chris Pine takes them to that nightclub and they get to drink cocktails out of amazing glasses, all dressed up to the nines and watch um, Dieter Von Tees do burlesque. I'm thinking this is a good life. And so therefore, I'm wondering... And this actually also then gets into things, the films like The Giver. I don't know if you ever watched that. I used to teach it. It was a few years ago. And the whole premise of The Giver is people are living in a society that's completely constructed and they're given drugs to make sure they never question anything and therefore everything is good. And the, the, the thematic statement, I suppose, for that film is would you rather know the truth or or be lied to but live a, live a happy life? Right. Right, which is exactly the same as and, this film. And The Matrix and Cypher, you know, not willing to, to jack out of, out of The Matrix. Right. And so, um, and so therefore, I don't know. I quite liked the whole victory living. <laughs> I guess back to your, your question about, you know, twists and whether, you know, no matter what the film's oh, yes. done, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think so. I don't think I mind. It, it really depends on the whole, the whole. And right. it can be it can be a slightly goofy twist, but if they've done their work and they've earned that twist, then I'm okay. This film reminds me of Mother, the Darren Aronofsky movie, in the sense that with Mother there is clearly an allegory going on, and until you get enough clues to twig to what he's speaking to, um, you're sort of a little bit like I'm not quite sure what's happening. I don't really know what I should be feeling about these characters because they didn't really have a clear arc or or, or journey. And so then all you're left with is a twist to explain redeem the whole the, thing. Well, not even redeem it, just to explain the plot details. And then once it happened, I was like, oh, okay, sweet. That's exactly how I felt about this film in the sense that I wasn't invested in Florence Pugh's character beyond beyond her just being a great performer. Yeah. Because beyond being stuck in a world where she's trying to get out, which we've seen how many of those movies, um, she just... There was nothing else for me to grab onto. There was no primal human emotions or... Again, we come back to that thematic statement or, or whatever yeah, it is. Right. You know, what would it be for this movie? There was a <clears throat> quite a lot of primal human emotion going on between her and Harry Styles. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Am I and right? True, a lot about oral yeah. sex, wasn't there? And when you talk about mother, all I remember from mother is <laughs> people sitting people on the sitting counter, on the, people sitting on the <laughs> kitchen counter, which is tapu. And in this film, they sit on the dining table to do the old. <laughs> the old woohoo, yeah, uh, and that's Tapu as well. So there, but anyways, was, can I say that there was so there was part of me was like, okay, it's just like the female gaze in terms of sex and how sex is represented in film. Yes, but there was a lot of him giving like like oral sex, you know, him going down on her, cunnilingus, cunnilingus, fellatio, yes, um, <laughs> and and again, I like was that just his proclivity? Proclivity? I was like, but it felt significant that there was the same sex mm-hmm. act 
over and over again. Especially with Chris Pine's character sort of strangely watching them in one sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that's, that just that's wasn't an really... interesting point. I'll tell you what I reckon. What? Well, because sometimes there is a general, con- general idea that it's not an act that all men necessarily like. I think that when Olivia Wilde's out on the press tour talking about it being a feminist film, I suspect she chose that because the woman is empowered in that moment mm-hmm. of the sex act because it blatantly isn't her, you know, um, going down on her husband. And I wonder, it doesn't really work out. Again, it doesn't tie in with the rest of Florence P- What's her name? Alice. Uh, Alice's character's life. But that's that's all I wonder. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I, I can respect what uh, Olivia's trying to do there. It just didn't feel... feel um, Oh, I felt half baked. It, it, yeah. it felt like it was trying to say something, but it it sort of said nothing because it was it was almost like a rule of threes wasn't followed or something. Yeah. You know, like you know, there was there was two moments of it and not the third <laughs> kind of had a point or sure, like, sure. It just yeah. And, and speaking of half baked, I think certain characters like um Shelley, the um uh Gemma Chan character, mm. uh, Frank's wife. Mm. Um, what was that about? Like mm, with her the, stabbing him at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess there was something there. It felt like a, we had lost a scene or something. Well, I know that as well. The you know the character because it's another thing. I thought well, when she interacts with the neighbor who ends up kind of jumping off the building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that character was apparently had a, a far more scenes filmed in the, in the oh, film. Okay. Which makes a lot of sense to me because I'm thinking well maybe her her interaction with that character should have been the turning point. Mm. For, for Alice to start having strange things happen to her. But she had strange things happening to her before, just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And so I, it just, it's like the script needed a, a, yeah. a, a lot more work. And Doesn't, maybe they reworked it in the edit. And that's why it's feel, we're feeling like things are missing. Doesn't Gemma Chan's character, when she stabs Chris Pine, doesn't she say, it's my turn now? Yeah, yeah. So that implies that she knows that she's been in the simulation and she's going to walk out of it. Or that she's going to stay in it willingly, but be the boss of it? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, that I, I had that question as well. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. so, so she willingly was just going along with this, and then now decides to stab him. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not clear in a film that is a lot of things that there are not. You're there's a lot of right. things that aren't clear. All I was going to say about the do you forgive a film if blah 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 blah. William, what was that amazing zombie film that you made us watch? Or that you you recommended. (laughs) One one Cut of the Dead. So, for people who haven't seen One Cut of the Dead, oh, will I be spoiling it? Yeah, it's it's, it's a whole film based on one spoiler. Yeah, I haven't seen it. In that case, I won't spoiler it, but all I will say is... Well, not the premises. You've told me the premise. Oh. They're they're making a film. And then the the actual zombies come. So I'm not going to talk about anything other than to say that to me is a film that you know the first third or whatever I'm like oh this it's, is kind of dumb yeah, it's and really then, bad and then it gets it does what it does and you're like ah ha ha and then it's brilliant so but you have to sit through the third yeah. that's like dumb before you know that that's the case so I wondered whether that was that was my um point in asking whether this film suddenly is elevated by its that, having a clever a reveal. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I was liking a lot of the film as it was going along. It mm. felt listless. Mm. But again, like the imagery was really cool. Mm. Um, the central mystery, I guess it was there. I wasn't paying too much attention to it. But it was just really pretty, really stylish. Yeah. And um, had pretty good performances. Yeah. Especially Florence Pugh. And mm. I thought Chris Pine was, was really good as well. Yeah. He should probably have more scenes. 
Mm. Um, and the twist comes along, and I, I felt like everything after the twist kind of just diminished what the movie was right. about. It's and so maybe the, isn't fl- it? the flip side of things. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how that sort of thing... Isn't it interesting how something can be ruined right. or perhaps redeemed in a, a third act or a fifth mm-hmm. act or something like that? I'm just thinking as you're saying about, you know, sitting through a film and then something changing and you're going, ah, you know, I think about Parasite, which has a clear shift halfway yeah. through that film, which mm-hmm. is part of the joy of that movie. Yeah. But it has a really clear sense about what it's exploring, who its characters are, yeah. what their stories are, so that when that change happens, yeah. you're you're already fully invested yes. in it's the ride. It's not like, what the heck am I watching? Yeah. This is boring, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, it's not I, like that. Have you guys now seen The Green Knight? No. 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 Okay. Is this another, this is another yeah. that we're going to get to in three years' time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, last year I raved about it. Uh, it is a four-act movie where the first three acts are pretty dull. Oh, um, dude, it, it's, you're tenacious. You're really selling it for it's, us. Yeah. It's pretty, but beyond that, and then the fourth act comes along, you're like, hot damn! Wow. Um, so if, if you're willing to sit through like an hour of slow, pretty imagery to get to that ending, um, yeah, I guess that's what you're it's saying, Sarah. It. It's totally worth yeah. it. And you completely understand why you had to sit through that. Yeah. Mm. What is your final thoughts? Who would like to start? Okay, um, I'll, I'll go. Um, Midsummer, yeah, what, what a treat. Just I, I hadn't seen it since loving it in 2019. And one of the things that really jumped out at me was, was the fact that so much of the imagery I remember... And I had only seen the movie once. Um, it, it really just stayed in my psyche, a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I mean, your mileage may vary, but I, I thought it was an amazing comedy. Uh, more so than a horror movie. Um, yeah, just everything about that movie works for me. Even the length, like the build-up and the payoff is really, really good. Uh, don't worry, darling. Again, going in with not the best mindset because mm. I spoiled myself with all the twists. Um, I still really enjoyed the visuals. The acting was was decent uh, for the most part. Some of it was a little over the top. Um, I just felt like, yeah, as you guys have have been saying and as we've been talking about in this conversation, just at a script level, the movie does not work. And it's a real pity because I don't think it's that difficult to fix if people were to go in and script doctor it up. Um, Yeah, so that's me. Mm. Oh, I might jump off the back of that because I agree, Mm. William. I I fully agree with your judgment of Don't Worry Darling. My experience of going to see this film was I went with a friend of mine and I didn't realise it was that movie. I'd seen the trailer, but didn't connect it with the title and all the controversy. With Midsummer. No, with Don't Worry Darling. Oh, sorry, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I hadn't connected the trailer of Don't Worry Darling that I'd seen at some point to this new film that was out. And so I went along thinking it was going to be a... Uh, lost in translation style movie oh, you know wow. some kind of uh or you know one of those those two people two two mm. kind of actor partners and chris mm. pine comes in as the third love kind of triangle person that's what i was expecting oh wow and so when it started and it was this tim burton-esque uh gone girls you know i was like oh okay oh that's this movie and so mm. i was quite intrigued ah. and excited by the imagery uh, and then very quickly was like oh 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 it was just it was breaking kind of fundamental classic cinema rules without an awareness of doing so, which just got my kind of, there was too many flags. And so by the time it wrapped up, I was just happy it was ending. I turned to my friend and I said, I thought that was a bad film. And she burst out laughing. Um, <laughs> 
Can I just say, I saw it at the Rialto in, in uh, Newmarket. Mm. There's always little flies in that cinema. I don't mm. know if you noticed it. So just on the side. <laughs> Going up on the screen. <laughs> no, on the screen, but also just the, like fruit oh, flies. Gross. Kind of little mosquitoes around. Oh. Kind of dampen. <clears throat> Anyways, okay. I, don't, I don't love that cinema. I love the selection of films that they play, but the actual cinema experience. Uh, you know, they need to just get rid of those flies. <laughs> um, and then Midsummer, like I said, it was... A wonderful I saw that in Rehalto Cinema as well when I came out um, and there were flies as well there mm. no loved Midsummer. Um, loved it even more on rewatch I just had this gleeful joy about the the horror and the joy and the light and the color and the journey that she's going on and I think it's one of those films and it will probably continue to be one of those movies where once I put it on I'll just watch the whole thing even though mm. it is two and a half hours because it has this pace this energy mm-hmm. this kind of enchantment this trance-like state that it, that it puts me in that is really wonderful to watch so i'm really excited to see what ariesta does next <clears throat> uh, i agree with your criticism criticisms of hereditary william but i still really enjoyed that movie mainly because of tony collette uh she's just and, and gabriel Byrne. actually the whole cast were just yeah. fantastic mm. so alex wolf man yeah mm. well, he was brilliant mm. and um I guess I'll just wait to see what, what he does next, and I, I, will, I will be a fan. He's kind of one of our new auteurs that has emerged in the last sort of five, ten years of mm, cinema. Mm, mm. Sarah? Well, um, a few years ago uh, at a film festival, my husband and I saw the film Under the Skin, which was directed by Jonathan Glazer, a wonderful uh, British director. It's a very creepy film, good old Scarlett Johansson, to talk about Lost in Translation. Uh, it's a very creepy film, it's very well done, but it's also just quite ugh. And at the end of it, my husband was positively pulsing with glee about how wonderful it was, and I leaned over and whispered to him, well, I'm glad I'm not Mrs. Glazer. And I felt the same way at the end of Midsummer. Uh, exceptionally glad not to bear, uh, have any relationship whatsoever with um, Ari Aster because, um, yeah, I think he's an excellent filmmaker and I think it is a very, very fine film. Um, and I don't overwhelmingly criticise it, even if I didn't love where it went. I, I don't object to where it went. Um, but I wouldn't want to be... Uh, so we were saying earlier that um, notoriously he created it as a breakup film. Uh, no, that's not entirely true. He, he, he created the film while he was going through a very, very mm-hmm. brutal breakup. Um, and, I, uh, and, I, and I do wonder um, when people say that, I think, oh, very interesting. I mean, I wonder about people who make um, horror and, and, and quite sort of like challenging content anyway in terms of golly what's going on for you that you were even able to conceive of this Mm. um and uh so yeah also apparently he has a real thing about decapitations and heads smashing and breaking which of course they do a lot in midsummer when you Um, say a real thing he has he has a thing about it like um apparently it's something he has kind of a I believe he has almost not like a an cop- obsession. Yeah, kind of. Mm. But one of those like weird ones, I think, kind of an upset thing. But he does it a lot. He uses it a lot. But I think it comes from a place of trauma and upset. Well, because I think I would, if I ever met a horror, one of the th- I'm terrified of deep dark water, and I'd always make films mm. right about terrifying. You know, yeah. I would always explore that in my cinema. Yeah, right. Yeah. So maybe and it's like that. I think that that is a bit like that. <laughs> Who doesn't find the head being smashed and terrifying? <laughs> 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 But um, so, yeah, so I was really impressed with Midsummer, and I was moderately impressed with myself for being able to handle Midsummer as well because mm. I'd, I'd received a lot of cautions about it. Um, and I still think that the most effective bit of it, as we said, is the opening uh, preamble. 
Um, yeah, I still really like Come to Daddy, Don't Worry Darling. And um, and I would, I'd even see it again. I think it was beautiful. It was, it was, it was luxurious to luxuriate in, luxuriate in. Um, and uh, I liked the reveal. I didn't question too much the things that we have subsequently questioned. And I think, yeah, you know, that does bear um, considerable uh, thought. Um, but I, but I mean, the film got a real slamming, and I did not think yeah. that it was deserving of a slamming at all on any basis. I think that plenty of films have threads that aren't tied up or contrivances or whatever. I mean, this is not a spoiler. Woman King, The Woman King is a fantastic film, and there are heaps of plot contrivances, mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't ruin the film. So um, I think that's just how that is, and I agree with you, Jeremy. Olivia Wilde did a blooming good job of directing it. So, uh, and, I, and I would rather be Mrs. Wilde than Mrs. Astor. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. And thank you to Sarah for opening us today. I just thought I would try and do it off the top of my head because we've now been listening to that spiel for <laughs> five and a half, six yeah, years. Coming on yeah. six That's years. That's right. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure that we could all do it by heart. <laughs> If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Radio Public, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Spotify. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode, or give us a suggestion for a future film to discuss and compare. We will have one more episode of a comparison for November, and then we'll have our our annual sort of cinema wrap-up of the year in December. Uh, so look out for that in a month's time. And until then, Nohora mai! mai.